It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 56, Samson Part 3. What you're about to hear is a brief account of Samson in the gates of Gaza, taken from Judges 16, 1 to verse 3. It was created to shed some light on the possibly symbolic meaning into this amazing yet brief account of outrageous supernatural strength. After the fictional account, stay tuned and we'll cover the limited biblical account and how and why we put this episode together the way it is. Special thanks to Jason Watson for his help with the sound effects in this episode. For a glimpse of Jason Watson's work, check out his website, nightwatch.squarespace.com. All right, here we go. Get up, get up, Samson, he heard as he opened his eyes after hearing the chilling words. Get up, Samson, he heard as he looked over at the fast asleep woman next to him. Looking at her, feeling a sickness in his stomach, he found her to be revolting and even disgusting. What have I done, he said to himself as he rubbed his hands through his thick, long hair. He hung his head. I've done it again, he said to himself. I've done it again. He whispered, hanging his head further. I've done it again. Then his senses were quickened as he heard voices outside of the inn. As shadows rolled across the room due to the bright moonlight outside of the window. Then he heard a voice. Then he heard the voice again. Get up, Samson. This time he flung upon his feet, grabbed for his sword. He rummaged around and found it wasn't there. He looked with hate upon the Philistine woman fast asleep, knowing she was part of the game. Searching for his pack, it was missing as well. This time he glared with rage at the woman in the bed. You. He snarled at her. He stood at the doorway, knowing his enemies were on the other side, and breathed deeply. He whispered a prayer to God. God, I have done another foolish thing. And here I am with the prostitute in this demonized city, and I need your deliverance. I don't deserve it, and I know it should not be granted to me. But God, in your mercy, deliver your servant, and I shall bless your name. In response to his prayer, Samson felt peace and forgiveness as he collected himself and pulled his hair back and prepared for battle, filled instantly with the zeal of the Lord. He breathed deeply and felt a renewed sense of strength in his body. Breathing again and again, he whispered a prayer and he threw open the door, dodged a sword thrust, seized the swordsman, elbowed another man, punched another, and found a different mark for the Philistine sword. Leaving three men on the ground, looking around and hearing the whizzing of arrows, he ran. Down the alley of the street into the main trading street of Gaza, he ran, outpacing the range of the bowmen. 
Upon the main road, he overpowered every obstacle and every swordsman who tried to stop him in the blue moonlight. He ran and ran, reaching the main city gate, but 1,000 Philistines were waiting for him. At this point, any rational man would have turned and gone elsewhere. But Samson charged at the mast of Philistines, and under the blue moonlight, he slaughtered dozens of them until he found himself between the large 30-foot wooden gate with bars and chains and doorposts and the Philistines. The fighting stopped because Samson had fought himself into a corner. Samson was trapped, and the Philistines had cornered their enemy. Bowmen were on the walls and all around. Swordsmen surrounded Samson in an ark, and now spears were all around when the Philistine king stepped forward. Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, stepped into the ark in front of Samson, who was in the center of the ark between the Philistines and the gate. The blue moonlight brought shadows upon Abimelech's scarred face, presenting a horrible figure as he raised his gnarled voice. Surrender, Samson. Enough, Samson, you are surrounded. He raised his hands in the air. My men have taken you, he laughed. Israel's champion must now know when to stop and know when he is defeated. Give up, Samson, or you will die this day. I will never surrender, Samson said. Come on, Samson, reason with us, he said with almost a slur. Reason with us, Samson, or you will die. Never, Samson shouted back. Last chance, Samson. I will never surrender to you. Israel will one day overthrow you and your kingdom, and I will never surrender to you. With his response, Abimelech looked up at the wall and shouted, Bowmen! Time stood still as a hundred bowmen pulled back their strings and let loose a hundred arrows at Samson. Samson looked up and around, and immediately, and in a split second, he seized Abimelech and pulled him upon him as he crouched to the ground. Every arrow found a mark with a dull thud. All of them piercing Abimelech, while one lone arrow pierced Samson's inner wrist. Samson lifted up the convulsing Abimelech and dropped him to his feet and reached to his left hand, which had an arrow through the two bones in his left wrist. He yanked out the arrow to the dismay of the startled Philistines, with apparently no pain as the terrified Philistines lowered their weapons and looked upon their own dead king. Then Samson turned around and took hold of the main gate, bars and all, and with his great strength began to pull it up from its foundation. He heaved a few times, bent his knees, and lifted up as the gate tore from its foundation. Each lifting and tearing of the gate caused Bowman to fall from its great height until the entire squad fell as Samson placed the entire wooden gate upon his shoulders. And with a gigantic roar, Samson heaved the gate on his shoulders, tearing the remainder of it from the wall and carrying it away from Gaza. The Philistines, who just killed their own king and were defeated by one man, only watched in stark horror 
as Israel's champion hauled off the central gate of their city. The moon began to fade as dawn's light penetrated the morning air. Miles into Judah's interior, Samson approached Hebron from the west as the sun began to rise from the east, and the Israelites began to assemble around Samson to cheer him on. Samson refused conversation with everyone who asked him, Where are you going? Where have you been? But a little boy refused to be run off, for he stayed close to Samson as he carried the gate up the hill of Hebron. He stared at him, marveling at his strength. Muscles were larger than he'd ever seen, almost as if they were stuck in that position, for Samson was at full capacity and had been going there for hours. Only the Lord could have sustained such a man. Just as the first rays of the sun could be seen, Samson began to cry out. Deep moans and shouts. Father! Samson began to shout as he approached Hebron. Father! He shouted over and over. Father! Father! Our Father! Who are you crying to? The boy would ask over and over. Yet Samson would ignore the boy, no matter how many times he cried out. Then he began to roar it louder and louder. Father! It continued and didn't abate. It only increased with ferocity as he shouted, Father! 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 As he approached the cave of Machpelah. The blaze of the morning light warmed the air, removing any remaining fog as Samson shouted out, one last time with all the ferocity in his being. Father! Many miles away in the town of Bethlehem, a young man was awakened by a distant man's voice. Father! 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 He continued to hear. He woke up his pregnant wife. Do you hear that? She sat up, droggy, and listened. No, Jesse, I don't hear anything. Let's go back to bed. He kind of tucked her in and he said, I will, dear, but it may be the Lord. I will join you soon. She returned to bed, but he decided to stay up a little longer. He headed outside of his dwelling, stopping only to look upon his sleeping baby, his heir, as he exited, still hearing the crying voice, Father, Father, Father. The outside cool breeze and air felt good to him as he watched the sun rise in the east and prayed and prayed, hoping to obtain understanding for this strange event and this voice he kept hearing. He prayed as he stared at the rising sun until he fell to his knees as he heard a different whisper to him. Jesse, your son will subdue the Philistines and your seed will rule the nations. Jesse began to cry and weep. But Lord, what am I? I am but a... But the voice continued. I will bless your name and it will be spoken of forever.
Samson reached the cave in Hebron and breathed deeply, and he looked at the boy for the first time with an intense stare, causing the boy to back up, for he had reached his destination. Samson lowered the gate down upon the ground near the cave, easing it slowly upon its base. It rested still for a brief moment, standing up precariously vertical. Yet at this moment, as it fell forward, Samson raised his arms and cried out as the gate fell. And in a prophetic act of intercession, Samson submitted the gate of the enemies of Israel to the God of the patriarchs as he shouted, Father, I give you the gate of the enemies of Israel. God, do to them as you please. And at that moment, the gate fell and slammed into the earth. The boy stared at Samson as the earth moved under them, as the earth quaked, even rattling the bones of their great father Abraham in the town of the patriarchs Hebron, where the cave of Machpelah shook. But the quake was felt way beyond, even to the center of Hades, and no doubt Jesse, who cried out to God, felt the moving of the earth Jesse fell to his face, with tears streaming down his face, still overwhelmed. Lord, what am I? I am nothing that you would choose me. Jesse fell prostrate upon the ground, humbled and overwhelmed and blessed when the Lord spoke to him again, but this time audibly. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. I hope you enjoyed this different look at Judges 16, verse 1 through 3. Here's the account, Judges 16. One day Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, At dawn we will kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night, when he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose and bar and all, he lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. That's actually it. That's the, that's the whole biblical account of Samson and the gates of Gaza. These three small verses always intrigued me. So what do we do when something intrigues us? which incites curiosity, we dig deeper because there is always more. We chew on the verses. We recycle them in our thought life. We mull them over, over and over. And the layers underneath the scripture begin to leap out. If the Bible is the inspired word of God, every article, every word, every chapter and book has a significant meaning. It's always more than just a linear story. 
Being drawn to dig deeper into this account, the symbolism was quite significant. Let's go into detail what we uncovered behind these three verses. Though it is limited, at least from our perspective, of course, there's probably way more behind it we haven't tripped over yet. But as we do this, we ask the listeners to do the same. Find some obscure verse or account in the Bible which seems to not fit into place. That seems too strange to be there. Chew on it and analyze it and see what lies beneath the surface. This is one of those most exciting things about studying the Bible. The mysteries that can be discovered to those who seek Him. You've probably heard it before. The father plays hide and seek with his children, but he always makes sure his children can find Him. All they have to do is seek Him and they will find Him. The most enjoyable part of the game of hide and seek is when you find the person. So the mysteries of the Bible are for those who seek Him. If you seek, you will find. It's a promise from God. So Samson is in sin in Gaza with the prostitute. Great role model, huh? The Philistines are on to him, and they're going to lie in wait to kill him. We added the voice of the Holy Spirit to awaken him. The biblical account has him carrying away the gate. So we added the battle to get to there, and the death of Abimelech. Why not? Now this is where we park and look at the two significant parts of the account. Samson hauled the gates away to Hebron. Why gates? Why Hebron? That's the two pieces of the story that bring a hidden meaning to it. Before we go there, consider this. Jesus taught the people in parables. Each parable was a story with a hidden meaning. And once you understood what each character or event or situation represented, you could understand what Jesus was saying. For example, in Matthew 13, Jesus said, The knowledge of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but he trapped it away in parables. Here is the parable of the sower in Matthew 13.3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered away because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was stone. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, so the disciples asked Jesus what the parable meant, and here is his response. Matthew thirteen eighteen. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. 
In this account, Jesus is teaching the disciples how to read beneath the surface and how to dig deeper for greater understanding. If you look in the Bible at the concept of dreams, and if you look at the dreams, they're almost identical to the parables of Jesus. Everything represents something else, and there is a hidden message. Look at Pharaoh's dream in Genesis 41. The good cows were the seven good years. The seven scrawny cows were the seven years of famine. Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2. Each part of the specific statue represented something else. So the process of understanding dreams is quite similar to understanding required to understand the parables. So looking at the parables and the dreams in the Bible, they're a good example of obtaining that hidden understanding of symbolic meaning that is beneath the linear text of the scripture. So let's dig deeper at Samson and the gates of Gaza, knowing that there is layers beneath the scripture for those who seek him. So Samson carries away the gate to Hebron. So what's important about each? Gates are the entrance to a city. Gates control who goes in and out of a city. Gates are the marketplace of a city. Ezekiel 33, the role of a watchman, has authority over the city, watching from the gates. But most of all, Jesus told Peter at Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16, that upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates can be considered the authority of the principality of a region or a city or a nation. In the case of Gaza, the Philistine capital, the gates represented their authority. Samson was stripping them of their authority and taking it back to Israel. No longer would the Philistines reign over them. Imagine it like a wrestling analogy. Well, most of you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but when a certain wrestler wins the great championship, he gets this fancy huge gold belt, and he wore it around to show how great he was. Samson has stripped and has taken away the belt from the Philistines and was giving it back to Israel. What it represents is a deliverance from the Philistines and freedom, though it will take time, and later submission of the Philistines to the Israelites. So he carried away the gate to Hebron, and Hebron is the cave of Machpelah from Genesis 49, where Abraham bought the land to bury his wife. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Leah are buried in Hebron. David is crowned king Hebron the first time, and Hebron is considered a holy place in Israel. For Samson to the hall of the gates all the way to Hebron, he symbolically and prophetically was making a statement that Israel had control now, and the Philistines no longer had control over them. And in the spirit, God was reasserting his authority over the Philistines, and the Philistines' time in the sun was coming to an end. Samson was laying the gates of authority of the Philistines at the feet of the God of the patriarchs. Regarding Samson shouting out, Father, 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 this just seemed cool seeing to me to envision Israel's champion doing this. I don't see him calling out to his dead ancestor, but Samson shouting out to his father in heaven and the God of the patriarchs. 
Regarding the earthquake, this was added for emphasis, and the shaking of the earth all the way to Hades was added, which would tie into that crazy verse in the New Testament regarding Abraham's bosom in Luke 16.22. Now Jesse's another story. According to our timeline, Jesse's alive at this time, though quite young, and he will live a long time. And we added this part because... As we tell the biblical history, we have to always keep an eye on those three types of characters in Israel's storyline, royalty, priesthood, and prophets. It is Jesse, whose eighth son will be King David, who will conquer the Philistines. Having Jesse encounter the Lord has, was added, for we know little about Jesse's life from the Bible, but there is lots from Jewish history and tradition regarding Jesse, and we'll try to cover those in, in future episodes. Jesse's name will be echoed in scripture all throughout. So we concluded the episode with the early echoes of Isaiah 11. So there you go. For the average person, you know far more than you probably ever wanted to know about Samson and the gates of Gaza. But there you go. I hope it inspires you to dig deeper and to find the hidden gems that are waiting for those who seek him. Jesus himself said the following. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I challenge the listeners to seek something beneath the surface of the Bible and dig deeper to find God's mysteries. Special thanks again to Jason Watson for his help with this episode. Check out his website at nightwatch.squarespace.com. As always, when we take a tangent like this one, when we take a wild tangent from our regular course, please send me an email and let me know what you think of this episode at messagetokings at gmail.com. Also, I'd like to invite the listeners to send an, another email. Since we're going to conclude the book of Judges next episode, I'd like to hear from the listeners. Who was your favorite judge? Let me know and we will compile all of these responses. All right, so here's a note on the next four episodes. The next episode will conclude Samson with the miserable story of him and Delilah. And the following episode will re-air an unabridged version of a podcast special uh, we did for the History Podcasters on King Manasseh. Followed by a timeout episode... And then Janelle will fire up 1 Samuel with the story of Hannah. So till we speak again, this is Brett Heaston from the Message to Kings podcast.